Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Crochet Circle podcast. I'm waving, how are you all doing? I really hope you're well. It's, um, it's a little bit springy here, it's lovely to see. You might be able to pick up the bird chattering in the background. They've just really started going for it over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it's interesting because we seem to have different birds here than we had at the old house. So I'm just trying to key into what we've got around us. And apologies if you might hear some other bits and pieces in the background. Matthew is upstairs. It's like Euston train station here at the moment. Matthew is upstairs. There are diggers over there. And uh, the electricity board is digging up the road out there. And I've, I've just held off doing the podcast for as long as I can. And I basically have no time left. So apologies if you can hear all sorts of other noise. I'll do what I can in editing to get rid of it. But it might just be a factor of this podcast. Or it just might be a noisy one. I have my first coffee of today. And it is it's one o'clock. I don't know how it survived this long. I thought I'll hold off rather than having two and really wittering at you. I thought I'll hold off and I'll have my coffee during the podcast. So cheers, my lovelies. There you go. That's the steamroller just gearing up for action outside. I couldn't plan it any worse, could I really? Never mind. Nobody wants a completely polished podcast. Like that's not, that's not a thing. So I've got all sorts to talk about um, for you today. I have an awful lot of um, feeding the habit. A lot of yarn has come through this household in the last month. And I've also got the first segment of what I'm going to call the hive. So the whole bit about my design process and how I move through a design. That's coming towards the end of the show. Um, And with the details for the Zoom session for that as well. With a special guest because... Um, Becky from Rivernets is going to come and join us for that Zoom session so you can ask Becky information about asking for yarn support and how that's generally done through yarn supply companies. So with every segment of the hive I hope to do a Zoom session for you budding designers and I hope to pull somebody else in from the industry as well so it's not just like my take on things, we're getting impressions in from other people too. So yeah, hopefully Becky will be in on that one too. Well, I know she will because she just signed up to it earlier. I've got a couple of old dog new tricks for you and whilst they're not directly crochet related they are very much relatable to um, those of you that like social media, that like watching podcasts, that want kind of crochet content coming at you. Um, so the first one is that dear darling YouTube has changed its algorithm again. Like this is the one constant thing with social media. They're going to keep on changing algorithms and you have to keep ahead of the game or you just have to suck up the fact that things are never going to be the way that they were. And I discovered about a month ago, and I think lots of podcasters had been thinking the same thing, but they weren't sure because, you know, who's going to go to another podcaster and say, my numbers are down um and think oh it's just because people don't like me anymore and um the reality is that what is happening this is very specific to youtube so it doesn't affect the audio side of this podcast but for those lovely load of you and i do mean a load of you it's really it's really nice that there are so many of you that listen um 
you might have other podcasters and other people that you watch on YouTube or other content that you get from YouTube. So this may well affect you too. Um, basically, they've changed it. So whereas previously there was a real push on subscribers and um, like buttons as part of the algorithm, that's now not the case. And what they are viewing it on is the amount of time that is watched. And so what that means for you is... Even if you have subscribed to a podcast, let's say you've subscribed to mine and you've got um, the notification button, the little bell set. So every time that I go in on a Friday morning and I say, oh, I have a new podcast, it is an episode. So anyone that signed up to get my episodes should get that notification. That's now not happening. So some of you might be sat here thinking, going, ah, I haven't heard from such and such a podcaster or such and such a content creator for quite a while. And it's not that they have, I mean, they may during lockdown have gone, I just can't cope and I can't deliver content. That is part of it as well. But also YouTube is not telling you that they have new content out. And we tested this in Mighty Networks. So I um, wrote a post about it and lots of people were able to come back and say, yeah, I wasn't notified when the last one came up, or um, even though I've got notifications set, I'm not being given the notification that a new podcast is coming up. So the chances are it's affecting you too, and if, if it's not affecting you for this podcast, you might have other favourites that you just thought they'd gone a bit quiet, and it's not, they most likely have got content, and YouTube just aren't telling you about it. It seems utterly ridiculous to me that you can subscribe and set a notification to be told about new content and then YouTube chooses to not tell you about new content. It's really quite frustrating and what it also means is if you've got a long form podcast and they're I think the other ones to probably look out for the most like I do, mine are generally an hour to an hour and a half long and I know lots of you watch them in segments and you'll come back to me and that's the whole point. I go out monthly Rather than doing this every week, I go out monthly so that you can just dip in and out and watch another 20 minutes and watch another 20 minutes. And that's in part what makes it suffer through the YouTube algorithm is that they, um, they basically don't like the dipping in and out. They take that as a negative that people are tuning out and not watching it. And I know from my contact with you all, I know that you watch to the end because you tell me that you do and you talk about bits and pieces right to the very end of the podcast so like a girl I cannot tell you as a podcaster and I know that there are lots of other of your favorite podcasters out there um, that are feeling the same way it's really really disheartening so I was in a total total harumph about it I'm only just pulling myself out of that to be honest because um like, we all put so much effort into our content, don't we? And we love what we do and we want it to be seen by people. I'm not much of a numbers person. I don't really care about subscriber numbers and stuff like that. But this one seems to really, like, hit me hard. I was just like, I'm putting a lot of visual effort into this. And, like, people aren't being told about it. It's, it just seems really unjustified, given that for almost five years... Um, I've put a monthly podcast out every single month like consistency should be counting for something and it isn't and it's it was really frustrating it's still semi-frustrating but whatever I'll get over it so instead what I'm doing is taking matters into my own hands and I think this is what you'll see a number of podcasters doing as well 
because algorithms are going to keep on shifting on Instagram as well. It's just one of those constant things. Change is constant. And so what I've done is I've set up a newsletter. And basically it means that you can sign up to the newsletter. You can do that. The links are in the show notes. Um, if you are watching on, if you're listening on Podbean, you can get to the show notes from where they used to be housed. And there will be a link in the new show notes and I'll come to that in a minute. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, there is a link in the drop down box. I'll make sure it's always there from now on in. You can sign up to the newsletter and what that means is on Friday morning, first Friday of every month at 10am, you will get pinged a lovely newsletter from me that says here is the link to the YouTube episode, here is the link to the audio episode, here is the link to the show notes and here's some extra little bits and pieces that have happened in between me recording and me getting this out to you. And it might be silly things like patterns I'm coveting or oh I've just seen this new yarn but some little bits like that. And basically what it means is that you um you get it all to your inbox. So you don't have to go looking for the show notes over here, looking for YouTube over here, looking for something elsewhere. It will all be in one place and I will put it straight into your inbox. So my plan is to do that. And like I say, first Friday of every month when the podcast goes live, it will also go into your inboxes. It will all be done on a pre-automated basis. And also... um, If there's something like really red hot that I think I need to tell you before the next podcast, then you might get an additional newsletter a month. But I mean, it's unlikely. I have quite enough on my plate to be doing more than one newsletter for the Crochet Circle podcast every month. So um, it's not like something that you're going to get from me week in, week out. It's not, I'm not going to be jamming up your inbox with Crochet Circle stuff. Although I'm sure some of you would really rather like that. (laughs) I'll just save it all for the one month thing. So check in with your podcast favourites because the chances are YouTube aren't telling you about them. See if they've got a newsletter, see if they've got a blog. Make sure you're following them on Instagram because they quite often will tell you that they've got a new episode there. But do not trust your settings on YouTube and do not trust YouTube to actually tell you about the content that you want to see because they are not telling you anymore. They might still be doing it in drips and drabs. Some people were still getting it, others were not. But in the main, YouTube is not going to be telling you about new content anymore. So you kind of need to do some of that work yourself or sign up to my newsletter and I will tell you where it is. That's quite a long way to tell you how much I dislike uh, YouTube, really, wasn't it? I did even think about swapping over and just putting my stuff on Vimeo and having it through the newsletter. But if I do that, I have zero chance of really finding new people through that platform. So I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right. My second one is kind of along the same veins. Um... Ravelry turn off their classic site at the end of March. This affects a number of people and it affects their health and I think it's not a shame. And um, so what I want to do is try and go through some of the other ways that you can search for patterns if you can't use Ravelry and if you don't want to use Ravelry. 
Um, I put this up on the Patreons and I had a really good kind of to and fro with um, Tamara, who is Crafty Escapism, and she gave me a few other ideas as well. But I've spoken before about Ravelry and um, other ways of trying to search out patterns, and I've spoken about using Google Images, which is one way of doing it. Um, and one of the little nuggets that I learned today with some of the information that Tamara passed over to me I'm fairly sure that some of you are going to be like face planting because you all know this, but I had no idea. If you put a minus button before the word, so let's say we do minus Ravelry, <clears throat> when you put that search in, it won't show you any of the Ravelry searches. So when you're doing your Google search or your Google Images search, and I tried it, I did it, I think, with Doppio Coliseum. So I searched um, Doppio Coliseum, a crochet pattern and the results came up and the Ravelry results came up and then I did Doppio Coliseum crochet pattern minus Ravelry and none of the Ravelry ones came up. So if you are one of the people that can't and won't use Ravelry that's a nice way of getting around that and still being able to profile and see where patterns are being housed elsewhere really quite helpful um, lots of designers are still using payhip the problem with that is you have to know that a designer is using payhip you can't do a general search or you certainly couldn't um, last time I checked do a general search on payhip it's not like a visual search engine um, so that's not possible and there are various apps out there for being able to search in Ravelry but the one that I checked today which I think was called Dirty Needles um, actually will still link you up to Ravelry and if you go into your stash or your library or anything else it will put you onto new Rav. So that's that's not ideal if you're actually one of the people that really can't go onto that website. Um so yeah. My only other suggestion for you and I tested this out as well and I suspect as a platform this is going to start getting more and more attention is Pinterest. Um I've dabbled with Pinterest in the past and I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about it for a few reasons. Um, one, I'm getting really distracted with all of the videos that are coming onto Instagram now. It's very movement heavy and um, I don't always want that and I don't want sound bleeding out at me. And whilst Pinterest is doing a bit more in video, actually it's a lot more static so it's much easier for my eyes to just be able to filter through what's good and what's not. Um, and you can do, I mean, Pinterest is a virtual search engine and I suspect that lots more designers like me are going to start using it as a um, platform for actually showing off their different designs because they're adding some really cool features that make it a lot more usable as like a showcase piece. So, and they've also changed their algorithm as well but for the better in my opinion so it's less about repinning which for a while Pinterest got a bit dull because everybody was just repinning the same photos because the algorithm was all about um, quantity over quality and now they've reversed it out and they said actually it's not really about sharing other people's content it's about creating your own and making it stylish but not unachievable so they don't want unrealistic content that people could never achieve kind of like oh yeah like instagram used to be before instagram went all full-on well-edited photos 
Um, so interesting that if that's what you want, is a bit less sham and a bit more, or a bit less, like curated, then Pinterest might be a really good place for you to go and look. And I did some general searches over there for crochet pattern four ply. Some bits and pieces came up. Um, it also means that I can start a board in there for the Crochet Circle podcast. So there is a Pinterest. Um, you can follow me on there. I'll add all the details into the show notes. And in there, what it means is I can have a board for the podcast and you can now have sections. I can section off and go, okay, section is episode 63. Episode 62 can have a section. Episode 64 can have a section. And then you can get all of the extra photos and bits and pieces that I take um, in that Pinterest board and it would all be linked out as well. So... Again, if you're not a massive fan of the show notes, then that might be a way of you visually seeing um, what's going on with the podcast and being able to link out to it really quickly and easily. So there is a lot of change going on um, with algorithms and also hopefully what you can see, like that was a very long piece on the changes that I've been making, but hopefully what you can see is that because of the algorithm changes and the changes with Ravelry, I'm trying to keep ahead of that curve and um, make sure that the podcast is as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So, you know, you have Pinterest, you have Instagram, you have audio, you have video, you have show notes, you have newsletter. Um, yeah, it's a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. And that's why I'm going to keep on blasting through with it so please get back to me if you've got any other suggestions of um other platforms that might work instead of rav i know that there's a lot of talk about ribbler as well but from a designer point of view i'm just not sure about that yet it's something i'll talk about in the future it's not just there for me yet so um i don't want to say one way or the other about that platform um but yeah have a look at pinterest it's very different from what it used to be And it might just be a great way of you looking for patterns. And like just generally being enthused about crochet and seeing lots of other ideas in there. You could just type in crochet or you can really refine your um, searches down. So I was in there looking for, oh my God, I fell down a rabbit hole. Stylish outdoor hanging baskets. I lost an hour to that in Pinterest. But this weekend, guess what I'm doing? (laughs) Stylish outdoor hanging baskets outside the front of the house. (laughs) You've been warned. Pinterest is a rabbit hole. You have been warned. Let's look at Final Destination. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I have no actual crafting mates that I have finished. And part of that is because it took me almost four days to sort out my crafting space upstairs. So many of you will know that we um, downsized when we came to this house. That was a purposeful move. Just didn't need as much space. So the second bedroom is a guest bedroom. I mean, it's not. People can come and stay there, but they're going to be very well insulated with wool. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's a guest room. Really, it is my stash and all of my crafting stuff. And it's all out. And at the old house, I called it the Stash Palace. It was in its own room. And I've put different um, types of shelving and bits and pieces in for this room and made it very modular so I could keep on changing it around if I need to, if the current configuration doesn't really work. 
and um, one of the things that I did is I got some honeycomb shelving, hence why this episode is called The Hive, by the way. And because of that, I'm now calling the Stash Palace, it's called The Hive. It's my little crafting hub hive, and I love it up there. My sewing machine is out permanently on a big desk. All my old crates have been put to good use. Um, like, I've got IKEA furniture in there, and I've got, like I said, this big honeycomb um, shelving as well. Just love it. It's a really nice space. It's a little, It's quite a bit darker than here, but my hope is that I will be able to get back in there. I used to have this thing where I spent Fridays as a creative day, where when it might be that I was writing up patterns or I was working on patterns or coming up with new design ideas, and that's that really fell by the wayside last year. So I'm hoping to re-implement that and spend Fridays up in the hive. Pom has just taken over. He just thinks it's his space. He's got three different little snoozing areas up there because basically he can sit on the chair, peer over the um, cushions, and he can see all the dog walkers. He's up there at the moment watching the um, people doing the electricity cables, watching them work. That's fascinating, apparently. And he just sits up there snoozing all day. So I know that he would love it if I was up there on a Friday with him. Um, sewing or doing whatever and just doing bits and pieces uh, yeah so that's why not much actual crafting has happened because I needed to really prioritise getting the crafting space up and running so that it meant that we could unpack the final boxes and get all the stuff out of my office which is just here and just generally get the last bits of the house um, sorted out so that's that's what I did if anybody, by the way, ever comes and stays with me, they are getting body searched before they leave the house because the temptation when you walk into that room is really quite huge. <laughs> um, so when I was sorting that out over the days, I took a load of time-lapse photography and my plan is to add that in here. If you are on um, audio, then I will add it to the show notes and I will also attempt to add it into the Pinterest board for this episode. So, um, yeah, if you're audio, you won't hear anything. I'll go straight into the next segment. And if you're video, you're about to see my craft room being pulled together. And I'll also add some static photos into the show notes. Are you ready? Shall we?
Isn't it a nice space? I just really love it. It's very cozy and like, quite tempting to get into that bed and just have a little snooze on it mid-afternoon zizz on the bed with a bit of crochet. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I know at some point it's going to happen. My bedroom is the room right next door, but that bed looks quite inviting. So let's um, let's move on to en route. I have got, what have I got? I've got a couple of things. Like I said, I've been very time poor this month for crafting, so not a lot has happened. And the thing that I've been working on the most is purely because it really does not require any brainwave activity at all. And it's my Glasgow cushion. So I'm just going to show you it quickly because I showed it to you a couple of months back when I uh, first started it and I'm so close to finishing it. In the next podcast or the podcast after, I'm hoping that I might have actually made it into a proper cushion and I'll be able to show it off fully. But... It is so bright and beautiful and I really don't ha really don't have a lot left to do. I've got a few different colour sections down at the bottom to do. But I've really loved doing this project. So I don't have much more to say on it now other than, as you know, it was done with British Wools by Appletons and the kit was by Hannah Bass. Um, I'm going to back it with some blue velvet, the same blue velvet I used on Matthew's Doctor Who, the TARDIS, Fleur de Lis um, pattern, so his cushion is on his rocking chair and this one will be on my rocking chair and we'll have, when I've got them reupholstered, they will be in matching dark blue Harris tweed and then we'll have matching blue velvet cushions. <laughs> this has been a very long plan in the making but we're quite close to kind of me finally executing the whole rocking chair area of this house. Months, months and months and months I've been thinking about getting that rocking chair sorted. And I love, by the way, um, I love that it was a topic of discussion in the latest um, Global Hookup. I couldn't think, sorry. In the latest Global Hookup. And I know some other people are looking at getting rocking chairs too. You will never regret owning a rocking chair, let me tell you. Especially if you have a footstool and you're in close proximity to a heat source. It's honestly just the nicest thing. I would love like a porch and a veranda with a big old rocking chair. Don't need the shotgun, but I'd love to be sat there crocheting on a veranda, rocking chair, pipe. Don't need the pipe either, but you know, <laughs> that's my vision <laughs> at some point. Um, right, the other thing, I only started it last night because I felt a bit guilty that I didn't have any crochet, but I've started a plant pot holder. I was looking at buying some more ceramic ones because we have loads more plants in this house, which is lovely, but where you've got plants, you need plant pots. And I, and I was just like, I don't really want to spend money on another ceramic plant pot holder. And then I had the genius light bulb moment where I thought, well, you know you could just crochet one. Like, not difficult, you have the skills and you definitely have the bowl. And so I started one last night. I have this wool that has been in my stash for a long, long time. Like a long time. And it, 
I can't, I, there's no point in me linking it to you. It's pretty much a DK wool. It comes from um, a lady who runs a kind of knick-knack stand and she does quite a few of the UK yarn festivals. Her name is Eliza Conway. And she always has these little hand-made balls of wool and they're 50p each. And I bought a few colours of them probably five years back. And um, they've been sitting in my stash. I crocheted a mandala with one of them. I did something else with another one of them, swatched for something, and they've been sat there. And one of the beauties of having sorted through my hive is that I've also kind of reconnected with some of the yarns I had, able to look at what some of my older stash is and thinking, it's time you came out to play and it's time you came out and got used up. So the two colours I want to use for the main part of my plant pot holder are um, this really coppery colour here and it's quite a brown rusty copper colour and a very warm cream colour and the plant pot is essentially going to be um, colour work so I can show you that from the book that I'm working from. But I'm not sure if I'm going to run out of wool. I'm fairly sure I am. And so what I did was I had an, a colour that I'm less fussed about. It's quite a mid-teal, but it's almost an insipid teal. Mm, it's all right. So I've just used that for the base, for the round of the base of the plant pot. And then I'll use my two lovely copper and cream colours for the colour work section. So the plant pot idea came from a book that I just got into the shop and it is called Feral Crochet Workshop and it is 15 modern projects for the home and apologies if I'm going to ruin this name but it is Natasha Rieswick V-R-E-E-S-W-I-G-K I think Rieswick and the plant pot is, let me just find it. It is called Large Plant Holder. I can show you an actual photo of how the finished object looks. I really love the pattern on it and I think it's quite striking. So it's um, diamond shaped patterns and colour work crochet really easy to do it's very simple to follow and um yeah it's it's reasonably quick to make as well which is quite nice because I, I want instant results at the moment um so i will keep on crocheting away on that one i think i'm probably do 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 i'm about a quarter of the way through the color work at the moment and you can just start to see the diagonal patterning coming in now. This wool is rough as, um, which is one of the reasons I'm using it. That kind of wool is just perfect for homewares. It's hard wearing. It wouldn't matter if I splashed a bit of like water on it when I was mopping the floors. It doesn't matter if the cat claws it. Um, you know, it's just a really good wool that is fit for purpose for something like a pot holder and in my head my head has just gone and it's going to keep the plant really nice and warm <laughs> which is a factor for a plant but I don't think it's like it should be my biggest concern Ooh, warm roots <laughs> <sighs> 
That's the coffee kicking in. My sincere hope is that this will be finished um, come the next podcast and that I won't run out of yarn. It might be that I have to put this colour at the top rim or find a different wool for that. But hopefully I have enough to get me through the full pattern repeat and then I can just add more for the height of the actual um, plant pot itself. But I rather love the colours. That coppery colour is just... It's all my bag at the moment. Like... um, Copper is the elemental colour that I'm taking all the way through this house so eventually we'll have copper light switches we already had a load of copper um, lights and stuff at the old house so we brought them with us so copper tones are what we're going to have featured right the way through it's going to be like the motif of the house so stuff like this copper orangey coppered coloured wool as plant pot is just perfect and my other mission is to bring even more handmade things into this home I'm thinking outside because I'm on, you know, plant pots as well. I've got some big pieces of driftwood and I'm thinking that I could make a... <laughs> I don't know what I'd do. I could make a big macrame crocheted plant pot holder for loads of my herbs so I could have herbs hanging off the wall because we've got a little red bricked old um, outbuilding just out there and it's a nice sheltered little space. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm just thinking of this almost huge like art installation thing that I could create for the side of that wall. Again, I don't know when, but I really want to do it. I really want more hand-touched elements in this house, and um, made by me. That's what I would love. Like a proper arts and crafts type house would be lovely. So this fella will be finished, I think. Uh, come next podcast. Because, yeah, it's one of the few crochet projects I've got on the go. Um, I also have my clean line shawl. I found that, found the bag where it was in. It was hiding from me. But that's mosaic crochet and it just requires a bit more brain space than even feral crochet does. So I will let you know how I got on with that. And I think once I've done that out of this book, I might try and do something else and I can do a bit of a review on the book for you. I got it in for the shop and what I tend to do with the shop books is either try and thoroughly read through the book or work from it um, and then I only sell it if I think it's good enough for crafters so if there is a book that you see in my shop in my opinion it's good enough to sell and there have been a fair few books that I've got in and gone nope I'm not selling you um, but actually I think this one is pretty good I love um, some of the projects in it and they seem really easy to follow so if you're new to colour work it kind of takes you through um, really good tutorial photos right I'm going to shut up because if I do review it I'll review it next time right? feeding the habit <laughs> there's a lot I had a day when it was just like parcel after parcel after parcel coming through the house I think there were five knocks at the door that day and one of them was my friend Beck who's bubbling with us and the other four were parcels I don't think they were all wool but I think at least two of them were so let's start with a really lovely parcel that I had through from Hayley who is Hayley on Instagram lots of you know um, know Hayley she's um 
she's been part of the crochet clan for forever. And by the way, just as an aside, because somebody mentioned, Rachel mentioned something in Mighty Networks, you're all in the crochet clan. Like, it's not, it's not a side club. It's anybody that watches, listens, comments, is involved in an Instagram with um, the podcast. It's anybody that's in Mighty Networks. It's even you that lurks and doesn't get in touch. It doesn't matter. You're part of the crochet clan. It's not like this secret little club that you get admitted into. It's basically anybody that watches, listens and interacts with this podcast, your crochet clan. That's what I mean when I talk about crochet clan. It's not like a secret handshake kind of a, oh, you're in. I mean, tag, you're it. You're listening, watching me now. Boop, you're in the crochet clan. That's it. So, Hayley, crochet clan, um, wanted to send me a magazine that she had um, had over in Canada because it had a really interesting piece on exploring crochet's tangled history. The magazine is called um, Piecework and I'm fairly sure you can get PDF copies of this. Um, I'm fairly sure that Claudia Sunbird Crochet was able to get back issues of this as well. But the article that is in here is all about the history of um, crochet and it's written by a really interesting person he is called yeah here we go he is called Dr Carey Carp and the reason I'm mentioning this is because he actually also has his own blog site as well and it's full of loads of information he does lots of crafting but actually crochet is his main thing and if you wanted to know more about him his blog post is loopholes.blog and I've linked to it in the show notes so he's done an iteration of this article so if you wanted to learn more about the evolution in early crochet a lot of this information is available in that article already um it's really interesting magazine actually has a bit on um string people that the inuits make out of bits of string it's just really really informative totally different look at um crafts just um, I really enjoyed it so one of the other um, things is the history of the Tunisian oh, again I'm gonna balls this up but Chechia um, you know the felted wool hat so you know a history of that just really cool link in the show notes um, but here also sent me through some Canadian wool to test she's intrigued to know how the Canadian wool that she can get her hands on and she says she doesn't have that many options for Canadian wool um, how that compares to some of the British wools I talk about on the podcast and what I can tell you Hayley is that this feels really lovely and soft it's got a medium um, twist on it this is 70% wool, 30% nylon, but actually it doesn't feel like it's got nylon in it at all. There's a little bit of a crunch, but it's still got that heathered look on the wool and it just feels properly woolly. It feels like it um, was woolen spun and it's just really very lovely. Um, so remember woolen spun is everything carded it in different directions so it's got more air on it 
it's a bit um, loftier, it's a bit plumper and poofier, whereas worsted spun, all of the fibres are lined into the same direction, so you get a lovely smooth yarn. This feels more like it was woolen spun. Um, so unbeknownst to Haley, what I'm actually going to do is send her back a little packet of some of my stash wools so she can compare what she can get in Canada with some of the bits and pieces that I can get um, here in Britain. And the other thing she sent me, she's been doing ceramics like I do ceramics and making all sorts, and she sent me three little handmade buttons, which I just love them, and they're like, the colour completely complements the jade green of the yarn that she sent me. Really nice combination, so... Given that I've just been talking about making a handmade house, Haley's buttons are going to appear somewhere special, I think, and maybe with a bit of this in the mix. Actually, that's a much better colour for my um, plum holder. It feels like this would be a waste to put it in a plant holder, though, to be honest. So, um, Canadian yarn, not that different. It feels quite a bit like some of our lambs will, Haley. It feels like it's got a really lovely softness to it. Um, but I think some of that is in the spinning process. Next through the doors was a skein of Fruitful Fusion yarns. I love Ishrat's dyeing. She's really talented and she's just one of the most like chilled, friendly people. Uh, she's just lovely. She's just a really lovely human being. And I saw this on her website. I was purposefully looking for an Addenweight yarn to become the Addenweight member of the Positivity Spiral hat because that pattern is going to be in four ply sport weight, DK and Aran. So Ishrat's um, colorway is the Aran version and I specifically chose it because it had amazing colours in it. So it has this um, mid-steely blue, rusty orange, huzzah, um, purple, um, quite a brightish red, little sprinkles of brown in there, but the mid-steely blue is probably 80% of it. And because it's iron weight, I think that when I crochet this up, it's not actually going to colour pool, and what I will actually get are just little bursts of extra colour here, there, and everywhere. So the yarn is called Blueberry Storm and it is 100% superwash merino, 100 grams is 166 metres and this will make up one hat. I actually think I might get away with more like 50-60 grams of it but we'll see, I'll let you know, it depends on what size hat I make with it obviously. But like when you twist them together, those colours together are deep and dark and luxurious but they also have a like an underlying bit of vibrancy to them especially when the orange kind of kicks out it just spoke to me and also it will work really well with the dark teal version of the hat that i've got so the four ply one and let me show you the other bit of yarn um, which is going to be the sport weight version which came in from John Arbon Textiles and it is their Yarnadelic um, which is a sport weight yarn and it is 100% um, Falklands Cordedale 
um, spun in the UK and that is, the colour is Les Fleurs. Now I chose that one because basically there was a sequence to it. I had used the Rivernitz Nain in colourway, oh my God, the German name that I can never, Sommerlicht, Lichtgemalt, something like that. That's a really dark, deep, rich teal. Then I chose um, Ishrat's um, Blue Brew Storm because I knew that the, um, the sprinkles would go really well with the teal um, of the River Nitschjorn. And then I chose the Les Fleurs because it has the same kind of pinky purple tones into it. And also Les Fleurs is also a bit of a tweedy colour yarn. So it's got some nice steely blue in there. So these two, when I'm photographing them all together, are really good bedfellows and with the river knits as well. And then the one that I'm just missing is the DK one, which is going to be, I think if I chose right, it's quite a deep maroony red called Tuscany, and that's from Garthenor's um, Brecon's Beacons, Beacons range. So that will be the fourth one. And I'm basically looking for them to all look slightly different, but play well together in a photo. So that's why these yarns have been chosen. All the weights, but they are all complementary with each other for the pattern. I see many hats in my future. <laughs> So they were all incoming. Let me just tie up Ishrat's beautiful, beautiful yarn. If you haven't been and looked at Ishrat's Instagram feed and her shop, get in there where there's an update because stuff seems to be selling quite quickly, which is lovely. She does mini skeins as well sometimes, like variegated mini skeins. I've never managed to bang on that shop date right, right at the right time. I just had to break off there so the Matthew could come in and get some lunch. And there was a little cat at the door. And I put my macrame, outdoor macrame, crocheted, wall hanging, um, herb garden idea to him. And he was like, basically do whatever you want. And I was like, so do you not care? And he was like, well... You feed me really good food, like lamb biryani, so as long as that continues, macrame to your heart's content, put it wherever you want. Yay! Macrame crochet household coming up, and all I have to do is keep on making nice food. Not a hardship. Basically, he's pretty good at letting me just add all the handmade touches to this house. And he likes them, you know, his parents are crafters. His grandparents were crafters, so he's used to it, but I don't think we could be with a partner who didn't like handmade, frankly. So we now have a poem with this as well, because uh, he, he got let in by Matthew. Right, let me continue, because I was only part of the way through feeding the habit. Um, we're now on to bits and pieces that have come in for the bag collection that I'm pulling together which are part of the design segment that I have created which is also going to be called the hive um, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So one of the bag designs that has come through is very much based on um, kind of honeycomb and 
Therefore, it kind of has to be yellow, doesn't it? And Garthenor do this amazing colourway called Gorse, and it is quite a bright, um, bright but dirty yellow colour. And it's not, it's more like an English mustard kind of a colour. It's that, it's got that kind of dark brown tinge to it. But I just think it's going to be perfect for this hive bag, which, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited for it. Um, so Priscelli is, um, it's made from organic Polworth, Romney and Hebridean. So Polworth and Romney are really soft, beautiful um, fibres and Hebridean is a little bit harder wearing. And also it's the Hebridean, which is a much darker fibre and that's what's giving it that brown because when you blend that in with Polworth and Romney, which are um, lighter, much lighter colours, then it gives that heathered um, colour through the blend. So gorse is exactly what you would imagine it to be. It is that colour of gorse bushes, which to me is a really, like, that's a massive Scottish indicator for me. You get a lot of gorse in Scotland and... It just reminds me of being up in the hills and it's got a very coconutty scent to it as well, gorse, and it's very specific. And um, you know when the gorse bushes are out in full bloom because it just smells absolutely divine and bees love it as well. So, yeah, just a nice little, a nice little reminisce back to being able to go to Scotland. Um, so I have a load of this um, that came in from Johnny at Garthenor because it is going to make the hive bag. And then what I was talking about being able to match colours across a range is that the next set of yarn that came in, which is for the Morse bag, is um, Exmoor Sock by John Arvin Textiles. And I've got two colours of this and I've deliberately gone really clashy with these colours because I want the... Morse element of the bag, which is a colourwork element to really like ping and like sizzle out of the bag. I want it to be very obvious that two different colours are being used. So the main colour of that is called Bell Heather and it is quite a deep um, pink, kind of bordering towards a purple pink. It's lovely. I've used this in Kinbean my shawl and really loved it and I am pairing that up with a very zingy um, green like it's almost luminous um, colour and that is called Odd Madod and both of these yarns are in 50 gram um, hanks and they are 60% Exmoor Blue Faced that's super washed 20% Corridale and 10% Svart Blaze and 10% Nylon. And I think I said already, this is John Arvin Textiles. But so what we've got is quite a saturated pink colour, which isn't that poppy. And then when you just paint it up with that almost luminous green, and the luminous green is going to used, be used in much smaller quantities. I just love these two colours together. When... Um, when I knew Exmoor Sock was first coming out as a yarn range, 
um, I was sent the shade card and I was so happy to see this luminous green in there because it's not something that John Urban Textiles usually does but do you know what when you do all of these lovely heathered earthy tones they work really nicely together and they're just so complimentary but then when you just like wham these two together it still works and sometimes you just need that colour sizzle with something else I just I love it I really love it so that's another bag sorted and done. Um, and then what else? Well, given that I had yarn coming from Garthener, I thought I may as well add to it because I've got another design <laughs> going, um, but it's a knitted design. I've got um, my first ever pattern going into a knitted magazine, into a knitting magazine. Um, it's coming out in, I think, about a month and a half's time. And the technique that I've developed for that, I don't think it's been done by anybody else. So it's it's new. And before it starts coming out in the magazine, I want to have another pattern down with it so that it, I kind of have ownership. I've put a lot of time and effort into this knitted technique. It took me a long time to work out how to do it. And so what I want to do is be able to create a pair of socks with the same technique. So um, Johnny and Sally at Garthenor had very recently brought out their Snowdonia sock wool, which is not super wash, it is organic, it doesn't have any nylon in it. It's literally, it's wool and it's four ply. And what they've done to bring out different shades in it, so the darker grey that I'm holding up is quite... Um, quite a steel grey that one is called Tegged and that is 50% Romney so again that's a very light coloured fleece on a Romney and 50% Hebridean and the Hebridean is a much darker fleece and when you blend them at 50-50 in this yarn you get this steely grey colour if I then show you and talk about the next one that I got which is called Tomen that is 75% Romney, so light coloured fleece, up against 25% Hebridean dark coloured fleece, and it is quite a bit lighter, so it's more like a silver grey. So just by upping the ratio 25% to the lighter fleece and taking the darker fleece down, so to 75-25, you get a much different colour of grey when you blend those two different fleeces together. And it is just enough that it's going to make my design show up beautifully in this lovely, like, totally paired back pair of socks where it's the design element that hopefully will really flush through and um, the yarn will be obvious. It's like it's lustrous. You can see the shine on this and it's beautifully soft. But what I'm hoping is that, um, by choosing grey, um it will just really let the pattern effect come to the fore and really show, showcase itself. So, it smells properly sheepy. Proper sheepy. Um, so yeah, quite the little haul from Garthener and uh, Healy and John Arvin Textiles and Ishra at Fruitful Fusion. Yeah, just... Um, all the yarn, all the wool has arrived. And now I just need to work on it all. <laughs> right. Coffee slurp. 
And what are we on to next? Ha ha! We're on to the hive, which kind of moves quite nicely from all of the bits I've just been talking about with um, the kind of incoming yarn, what you've seen from um, what I've been talking about in Feeding the Habit is the importance of getting your colours right and the importance of knowing your yarns. So let's get into this properly. This section of the podcast is called The Hive and it is that because, as I said earlier, the hive part of the house with all of my yarn stash and all my crafting things is where I'm probably going to sit and do most of my creating i've got a really nice comfort chair up there i can get wi-fi up there and um, palm is up there so when i want to sit and properly crochet on a design that's like my little design bubble that's where i intend to be now the other reason i wanted to call this segment the hive is because i would really like to lend on some of my industry pals to give their insights so when i'm talking um about how i do my designs I want to get their input into that as well. And this is what that will look like. So today, what I want to talk to you about as part of my design process is where my ideas come from, how I choose yarn, and all of the bits that I do before I even get to crochet up my first swatch. So that's what I'll be talking about today. I have set the date of Saturday the 28th of March to hold the first Zoom session. So if any of you are budding designers and you want to be able to ask questions about the design process, Saturday the 28th of March at 3 o'clock we'll have a Zoom session on it and you can ask away all of the questions. Now one of the elements that I am also going to talk about today when we talk about yarn is that difficult thing of asking companies for yarn support and how I go about that and um, how that feels from a yarn company's point of view. So Becky from Rivernet is going to be in that Zoom session for the first part of it. She might stay for longer, um, but certainly she's going to be available for the first 20 minutes or so. So you can pick her brains about what it means to ask for yarn support and what it means to them what it is that they're looking for so rather than me second guessing what it is that yarn companies are looking for becky will be able to tell you what it is that river Nets is looking for so hopefully that's helpful that will be the zoom session on the 28th of march um and then what i'm going to do is record those zoom sessions they will never be put out so don't worry you can stay with your video off but I will record those zoom sessions and then from what I'm talking about here and the questions that are asked in the zoom sessions I will create a blog post on this part of my design process and it will take into account the questions that you've asked so hopefully what I'm doing is giving you how I work getting your questions back filtering through all of that information and then creating blog posts are really super useful for budding designers so it's a really nice go-to resource for you or even if you're just interested in the process of design and how it works we'll have some information at hand for you so that you um are kind of ahead of the game and you know what to expect and you at least know how um some of the people in the industry do their work that's what I'm hoping for. I want this to be really helpful and honestly not just about me and my design process. 
So let's get into that then. The first bit is how I come up with my designs. Basically, most of my designs are based on architecture, nature, or some form of patterning that my brain has seen. I will see a pattern and my brain will calculate how I can make that into a crocheted something. Um, obviously, you also get influenced by elements like what you're seeing on Instagram, some of the textures that you're seeing, but quite often for me, it's patterns and colours, and they're the things that enthuse me to try and plot that out into crochet. So some good examples of my back catalogue are um, Kinbane is based on the houses on the row front of the town of Whitehead in Northern Ireland. That's what that pattern is based on. Um, Doppio Colosseum is a two-skein shawl and it is based on the round and the dilapidated bits on the Colosseum in Rome. That's what that's based on. Loft came from the need for a striped shawl that was just really easy to memorise and could use up every last bit of your skeins of yarn if you wanted to. And trying to get a really well-fitting um, asymmetric shawl. So that came more out of the technique side of things and just needing a really easy project that people could work through. That's where that came from. Positivity Spiral, I found... While I was doing my um, sorting at the hive, I found an old workbook and in there were some diagrams I'd drawn up like years ago, probably three, four years ago, and they were based on the chimneys at Hampton Court Palace. And that's where the idea for Positivity Spiral came from, because it's one of the patterns. The chimneys at Hampton Court Palace down near London, it's where Henry VIII and um, Amberlynn used to live. And the chimneys are spectacular on that building. And you can get lots of photos of them on the internet. And that's where... That's where that spiral pattern of positivity spiral came from and therefore that's why it's in the hat as well. So again, we're looking at practical technique driven architecture and um, sometimes it's nature as well. Um, yeah, Aria, another quick example, was originally going to be about mermaid's tails and then Becky at Rivernet sent me a photo of a path and I could see triangles in this garden path and that's where Aria came from with the triangles going down the spine of the shawl and then the variegated going out from there. And I will just see a pattern, key into that and that's what I'll work with. Other designers probably have different, very different ways of approaching their yarn but for me that's what happens. So when I go on holiday, it's honestly a bit of a nightmare because I'll be introduced to new patterns that I don't see every day. And I'm literally going about with my phone. My phone is full of different patterns and it might be some tiling or a piece of, um, like a door with beautiful Art Nouveau workings on it. It can be anything and I'm just like, oh, that's a crochet design. Oh, that's this and I just walk about with my phone all the time taking photos and that's well worth doing because you then have a visual bank to go back to so even if you don't remember it exactly you've got something to refer back to later on when you maybe are feeling a bit less creative um, and on that note I have learned very much over the last few months there is no point in me trying to force myself to be creative 
during a new moon. New moon phase for me is all about getting jobs done. It's task, 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 and it's the most uncreative part of my month. Um, in the kind of five days leading up to and the five days after a full moon, you won't be able to stop me because all of the ideas will flow. I'm bursting with energy. New ideas are coming in from everywhere and I struggle to filter out which ones are good ideas and which ones aren't, basically. But I try and note them all down because some ideas will stay with you, others will filter out. And I tend to think that the ones that filter out are the ones that didn't have a place anyway and they aren't necessarily the ones that you really want to work with. Um, right. The next stage for me, when I've jotted down what I think my designs are going to be, and sometimes the name will come to me at that point and sometimes it won't. Sometimes it's not until I get to the very end of a design that I think of a name. Um, with these four bags, the names came as I was um, looking at their structure and the stitches that I thought I wanted to use. Um, but like I say, it can be much, much later for a design. So let's say I've jotted down the design, I've got a name for it, and my next thing is to look at the yarns that I want. So you'll notice I haven't even picked up a crochet hook for it yet. I haven't done anything with the design. Yarn has not yet met hook. <clears throat> and one of the things I am hyper aware with this podcast is that I often use the same branded yarns time and time again. And I'm well aware that that may seem a bit repetitive for you that are listening and watching. For me, it's an absolute boon. It saves me a lot of time because I'm working with companies that I have a really good relationship with and I have a friendship with and I know their yarns inside out. So for instance, if we look at the Morse bag that I want to do, I know that I need a pop of colour for that and I know that I need a hard wearing bag for it and I know that a sock yarn is going to be really good. I also know that people are going to want to do it in different sizes and therefore having something in 50 gram hanks rather than 100 gram hanks for this bag is going to be really helpful for people because they don't have to overspend on their money. I've already worked with John Arbin's Exmoor sock before so I know that it's going to work for this project. I know that I get great stitch definition with it and I know that it works well on my hook and I know that it works well on a smaller hook size to make a denser fabric. And all of that information that I have in my head about the different ranges of John Arbin yarn and Rivernets and um, Garthenor and Ishrats and all of the other yarn brands I use, they are a massive shortcut for me in my design process because I know the density of fabrics that I can get from these yarns. I already have notebooks full of the different gauges and tensions I get from these different yarns on different hook and needle sizes. That information is gold dust. So if I start working from one yarn to the next to the next, I have to do so much more work to be able to get a submission in or to be able to pull a design together because... It means more often than not I have to buy some of the yarn in or try and get the shade card because I don't have those colours in my mind either and it's just a lot more work and I already have existing relationships, really good existing relationships with these companies and 
and um, one of the things I'll just refer to there is I have in my head a knowledge bank of the colours for each of these companies so I know what they do. So before I even took to the John Arban website, I pretty much knew that these were the colours I wanted to use. And I knew that they would work with the other colours with the other companies. So like I say, that information is golden. And if you're looking to start design, I would say a really good place to start is with finding out who are the yarn brands you go back to time and time again and start to build up a knowledge base of what their yarn does as a fabric and what it creates because it's a massive shortcut. Um, and that doesn't mean to say that I'm not open to new yarn brands. Of course I am. With the bag design, I plan on making secondary bag um, options with some other new-to-me brands. Um, but they're going to be my second options and not my first options because it's much better for me to work with what I know and then try and build up a, a wider catalogue of yarn brands. So honestly, get to know a few yarn companies and get to know their stuff inside out. It's a huge shortcut for you. Following on from that, let's talk quickly about yarn support. I do receive yarn support from some companies um, and there are others I buy direct from. And to be honest, it really depends on the size of the company. I um, also, no matter what size the company is, I also go and buy yarn from them. So I'm not constantly knocking on the door saying, please may I have yarn, please may I have yarn. It's not like that. This is not about filling up my personal stash. This is about having a design idea that I want to implement, having a timeline for it, and being able to go to that yarn company and say, I have this design idea, I have a brief for it, almost like I'm doing a magazine submission. So I will, um, depending on the company, pull together an actual PDF document and say, this is my design. This is what I want to do with it. This is a yarn that I think will work. I'm asking you for um, yarn support, please. And I wouldn't ever feel badly if they came back and said, yeah, it's not for us. Because your style may not be their style. And as a yarn company, they want to support something that um, meshes really well with what they do so for instance well I'll kind of give you a for instance you might create something that just is not on on brand with what they do so you can't then be surprised if they come back and say no it's not our cup of tea and it's certainly not something to be upset about because there might be another brand and that's exactly what I'm talking about if you if you have got some yarn brands that you really are on the same level with, then that's a relationship that is going to work better. But this is not about free yarn. You know, you are there to support their business as well. I always put all of the details of the yarn supplier in at the back of my patterns with clickable links through to their website. They always get mentioned in the material stream for the yarns. I always put details for them out on Instagram. One of the key things that I do, still, even before I've put a hook in the yarn, all of these will be photographed before they get caked up. So I will have a really nice bank of photos for the project from start to finish. And it means that I can do my best to then support back 
the yarn company that has given me yarn support with beautiful photography, with highlighting them on Instagram, with highlighting them in the pattern, with doing it on this podcast as well, let's be frank. Um, like They deserve it. They've seen something in my designs that they want to support and that de- that deserves a reciprocal boost from me. So get photographing your yarn before you even sink a hook into it because you're going to want those photos. Let's say you've got a space where you could put a beautiful photo in your pattern, you've got a bit of a blank space. A photo of the yarn before you've actually crocheted it up is a really nice thing to have because it shows part of your methodology and it's great for that yarn brand as well. Um, so I'm not going to say anything more about yarn support for there, but for those of you that are really interested in it, come and be part of that Zoom session on the 28th of March at 3 o'clock and we'll talk designs and yarn support and see where we get to. Um, next month... I'm hoping I will have actually got a hook into some of these yarns. I certainly will have photographed them by then. I haven't done that yet. And um, what I plan to talk about are the notions that I use and how I record the details because that's the next thing. Next bit is swatch. And out of that, I need a load of information. So I'll talk about how I plan out that stage of the design part. But I guess what you're seeing by now is that designing is not a quick thing. It takes a long, long time, especially if you're quite involved in it in the way that I am. I'm very precise about how I design and how I present that information in the pattern. Um, and therefore, it takes it takes a long time. I can't do a design in a week. I did it once with the coho beanie as a bit of a challenge. I set myself seven days to get um, from yarn coming through the door to having the pattern tech edited and back out the door. It, Honestly, it nearly killed me. And I spent most of my week just on one pattern. So I find it easier to do a little bit here and a little bit here and just keep the process running as I've spoken about. Um, And it means that I just have to be on it with all the little different practical things I have to do to get a pattern done. I'm not alone in that. That's how a lot of designers work. You know, you see these beautiful patterns being up and available on Instagram. There is much work that's gone behind that like hours and hours and hours tens of hours so i think that's enough for the hive section right now start writing down your questions like i say the session on 28th is open to people that are budding designers it's also open to anybody who just wants to learn a little bit more about the design process and maybe wants a greater appreciation of um, what it means to design you're all very welcome. Details are in the show notes. The password is in the show notes. Um, three o'clock, Saturday the 28th. And Becky will be there as well from Reverence, which I'm really grateful for. So I'll work out who else um, can be in the next session. We're on to quick news bits. Just a couple of ones. Global Hookup this month is going to be on Saturday the 20th. Now... <laughs> Of course, I've chosen the weekend where we move from GMT to BST. So Saturday the 20th at 8 o'clock GMT. Sunday the 21st at 9am BST because the clocks change at 1 o'clock on the Sunday morning. So 8pm GMT on the Saturday, 9am BST on the Sunday. (laughs) 
I know it's going to be a nightmare, but it's a really good time in the month for me to do the hookups. So it's like it's perfect timing of the whole BST thing. So um, all the information is in the show notes. The passcode is up in the um, Mighty Networks. You can get hold of it from there. Come and join us. It's a very nice group of people and you can have your video off and you can have your audio off and just come and be part of a crafting session if that's what you want. Um, it's lovely to see new faces in there and I might not see some of you for six months and then like Catherine turned up last week and it was lovely to see her. It doesn't matter if life is busy and you haven't been for a while, just pop your head round and come and say hello. Um, yeah, it's just a really nice place to sit and relax and have a bit of a giggle. Um, my next one is Mighty Networks, kind of following on from Global Hookup and what I said about the Crochet Clan earlier. There is no secret club. Um, but if you want like a forum to come and speak to other crocheters and to just um, have a little space to chat crafting and just life in general, then Crochet Clan on Mighty Networks is a really nice space for that. There is a link in the show notes down at the bottom you can either press on the logo the mighty networks logo or it's linked throughout but come and join us in there you don't have to sign up through facebook you can just do it through an email and it's a very secure network there's no advertising on there it's just a really nice space to come and show off what you're up to and hopefully be enthused by what others are up to as well so you'd be very welcome to come and join us over at mighty networks because that is our home for the foreseeable. I'm never going back to Ravelry uh, for forums. It's just not going to happen. So if you want that engagement outside of Instagram or anywhere else, then Mighty Networks is where it's at. It would be lovely to have you over there. I think... I think that's it. I think we're done. Feels like I have been chatting for forever. Um, so I need to go and get this edited down and at the door and ready. So thank you once again to lovely Crochet Clan folk and to uh, like patrons. I had a few new patrons come in uh, last month. It was really lovely. Makes a massive difference to the podcast. Thank you so, so much. It always makes me feel a bit like, oh, somebody likes what I do. <laughs> Especially in the face of all the YouTube crud that really got me down, but whatever, we're over it. Sign up to the newsletter if you want all the links direct to your inbox. It's all linked out in the show notes and, and it's down below in YouTube as well. So, next month I promise to have a load more crochet and maybe a macrame herb garden hanging outside. <laughs> that won't happen in a month, but you know hashtag summer goals <laughs> I definitely will have hanging baskets out the front um, so yeah that'll be done right my lovelies very nice to spend some time with you and um, as I put out on Nighty Networks if you are in need of a big old squishy hug at the moment as I know some of you are I'm doing it now can you feel it like bear hugging you um, there's so much love coming from me towards you and if you're struggling with life at the moment then like I am pushing it out to you have all the love have all the support um until next month see you soon bye
Hello and welcome to episode. I didn't check if it was stuck in my teeth. I'll just spill some coffee around, we'll see. Right. All the yarn. I got all the yarn, I got all the yarn. Yeah. 